Hi, and welcome to Peculiar Youth Connect. Uh, this will be the um, final episode on racism in the church. I want to thank you again for listening. I want to thank you for your support. Um, you can join us every Tuesdays at um, 866-313-5666. That's 866-313-5666. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope this blesses you, and God bless. Hope everybody is well. Um, thank you for joining uh, another Peculiar Youth Connect. Um, today, we're going to be concluding what we started about two weeks ago, if I'm correct, on racism. So today, we're going to be concluding that today. Before I um, introduce those who will be contributing and we get into the questions and everything like that, we're first going to commit this into the hands of God and that God will bless this time that we have on the phone. So in Jesus' name, Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity again to come into your presence. I thank you, Lord God, because you have made us your children. And Lord, I pray that everything that we said today, that we discussed today, that Lord, it will not come out, come out of our own wisdom. It will not come out of our own knowledge, out of our own understanding. But Lord, I pray that you speak through us in Jesus. Lord, I pray for those who will be listening to this right now live. I pray, Lord God, Father, you speak to their hearts that they may gain understanding and you speak to them, Lord, that you touch them, Lord, where, where they need to be touched. And Lord, I also pray for those who listen to this, Lord God, on, on podcast form. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that you also speak to their hearts in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I yeah. thank you, Lord God, Father, for this opportunity. I pray for those who are hurting, who need to be healed. I speak healing over them in Jesus' name. Lord, we yeah. give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. And we cover this line with the blood of Jesus. We come against any form of distraction that will try and hinder us. And Lord, we say that it is well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So um, thank you again for joining. Um, so we're discussing on racism. So I'm going to introduce the contributors, the panel that, that is here today, and then we'll get started from there. So first, I'd like to welcome my senior pastor and uh, founder of Peculiar Assembly of Saints National Church, um, Reverend Dr. Bridget Agbedi. I also like to welcome um, Assistant Pastor Catherine Edihere, who is also from Peculiar Assembly of Saints National Church. I also like to welcome Assistant Pastor Ediri Osa, um, also of Peculiar Assembly of Saints. And I also like to welcome um, Dr. Inifom Udo, who is a medical practitioner and also a contributor to um, Peculiar Youth Connect. And I'd like to welcome my sister, Sister Natalie Diaz, who is also a contributor to Peculiar Youth Connect. So we are discussing on racism and Last week, we were talking about this, and um, this week today, um, I want to deal with the church in, in particular, and I want to start off with what is the identity of the church? Um, a lot of times, you hear people say, oh, this is a black church, or this is an African church, or this is a Hispanic church. I remember going to Boston a couple of years ago, and it was a pre predominantly black church. So I want to start with this question, what is the identity of the church? Is it black or is it white? Is it African or is it Hispanic? And this question is, I'm um, going to give this question to Reverend Dr. Bridget Betty, and I'm also going to give this question to um, Assistant Pastor Catherine Adehere. Um, I want you guys to give your own perspectives on this. First question is, what is the identity of the church? And then the next question is, is it black or white? Or is it African or Hispanic? And also, should the church only cater to one specific set of people. So to start off with, I'm going to repeat these questions again, and then we can have a discussion on this. What is the identity of the church? Is it black or is it white? Is it African or is it Hispanic? Should the church only cater, and this is important, should the church only cater to one specific set of people? Um, as you're answering the questions, you can give your own examples and everything like that. So the floor is open. So I'd like to start off this question with Reverend Dr. Bridget Betty. then after that, I want Pastor Catherine to um, wait, wait into this answer also. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much Hallelujah. for the opportunity again to come um, into this conversation on the issue of racism. And I want to thank God for the peculiar youth connect. Um, we had already discussed what racism is and what racism is not. 
So I'm not going to um, dwell on that, but I think it's still very important to um, refresh for the sake of people that were not in the last um, two discussions. Um, we established in our pre previous conversations um, that racism is a belief system. Racism is a um, philosophical ideology. It is rooted in the fact that um, one race is more superior to another race because of who they are, how they look, their background, their sensory, and because of that, they possess natural skills to excel or dominate another race that is viewed as inferior. So we know that racism is not just something that is um, it's not something that is is used as a tool because of how someone is treated. I mean, people can be treated in a bad way. Bad people can do bad things, you know. But that does not mean that the whole race is bad. So we have to understand bad behavior is not equal to racism. And also we already said it that racism is not uniqueness or individual differences. And then we said racism is not when someone that is from another race um, either criticize or is not in agreement with another person. So we have to understand that racism is a belief system that guides how someone acts towards another because of how they look, who they are, where they came from, and all of those things. So we already um, established that. And then about two weeks ago, I um, wanted to contribute to the question about tribalism, but we didn't have enough time. So I just want to run that real fast too, that racism deal with the philosophical ideology about a race, while tribalism deal with the belief system of philosophical ideology about a tribe. For example, I come from a country, specifically Nigeria, where we have a lot of tribes and ethnic um, groups and there were some tribes that thought that they are more superior than other tribes. Even within the tribes we have ethnic groups. There are some ethnic groups that think they are more superior than other ethnic groups and that is wrong. And um, how do we address this? Number one, it has to be condemned. It does not matter who is doing it. If it is a black doing it to the white, it has to be condemned. If it is a black doing it to a black, it has to be condemned. If it is an Hispanic doing it to a black, it has to be condemned. It does not matter who is doing what to who. It is evil. Racism is evil. By balancing is evil. Anything that makes someone feel that the other is superior to the other, and because of 
how they place the one that is deemed as inferior. They mistreat, misjudge, miscategorize, mischaracterize, <clears throat> and oppress the vulnerable party. It is a wicked and evil ideology. So it cannot be excused. It does not matter who is practicing it. Like I shared someone who was saying, it's okay, we do it to one another, but we can't take it from that or that person doing it to us. No, it doesn't matter who does what to what. Racism is evil. It must not be excused. It must not be tolerated. It has to be condemned. We have to be bold enough to condemn it. That even if we have to step on the toes of people around us. But sometimes people that are around us are close to us. They stand, you know, to condemn a particular race, a particular tribe, a particular, as we talk. Regular, natural, general conversation. We have to call it out right there and then and say, no, this is not right. I'm not going to be part of this conversation. So please let us condemn racism, tribalism. Let's not excuse it, no matter who does it. Let us refuse to follow people who play the race card on everything. There are a lot of people. They see race in everything. They're not objective. They don't look at things from a very logical way. They're already biased. So please, let us refuse to follow anyone that is playing the race card, no matter who that person is. Now, the question of the church and the identity of the church. It's a very clear one. We are called Christians. Just let's spell it out. Christian is a derivative from Christ. All right? Christ is the root word. Those that look like Christ are the ones that are derived from Christ. So we are Christians because we are disciples of Christ, we are followers of Christ, we are believers in Christ, and that is first and foremost our identity. But if we look at the church today, we see that we switch it. I'm first a Christian before I'm Nigerian. I'm first a Christian before I'm Yoruba. I'm first a Christian before I'm black. I am first a Christian before I'm a woman. I'm first a Christian before I'm single, before I'm married, before I'm a mother, before I'm a wife. I'm first a Christian. If we can understand, the Bible says that we must not be afraid of the person who can only kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. But we must be afraid of the one that is able to kill both the body and the soul and to hell. So we must understand that our allegiance is first to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we can settle that, that I'm first a Christian before my gender, I'm first a Christian before my race, I'm first a Christian before my whatever it is. It will be very easy for us to deal with one another. But the moment we put anything before Christ, it becomes idolatry. A lot of people worship the race, Oh, we have to t 
him up because we are black. We are the black pastors. Oh, we are the, we are that, we are that. We have even forgotten that we are bought by the blood of Jesus. Jesus gave his life. He came for the whole world. He did not come for black, for white, for Jews. He came for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that the servant believers in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it is when we understand the true identity of the church as Christians, that Christ is the core and the center of everything, the core and the center of our loyalty and our focus, we would not be truly united. We would not be truly united. So, the identity of the church is Christ. Must be the nucleus. Everything must submit to Christ. Even when it's not pleasing to our race, it's not pleasing to our gender, it's not pleasing to whatever, we must. Let Jesus Christ be the Lord of all. Not race, not gender, not political views. Everything must be viewed based on the word of God. And if we don't do that, we will not be able to have a stable identity. So I'm going to leave that to um, be continued by other people. There are other things that I would like to share, but I believe it's okay for now. If there's more opportunity for me to speak, I will. But this is how I would want to... And also, the next question that I had was, should the church only cater to one specific set of people? God bless you. Pastor Catherine on the phone. Um, okay, so I guess I'll have to. All right, praise the Lord, I was there, but I think my... Yeah, so should the church kept on only one identity? I did not read that in my scriptures. And um, this topic, sincerely speaking, has so much blessed my heart for the past three weeks. Thank you very much, uh, Minister Tenoru, for actually raising me because it has given me opportunity to be able to pray more, you know, on this particular issue ah uh, jesus said by this all you will know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another i try to find it in my scripture maybe it will say oh if you have love for black to black or you will have love from black to white or from Hispanic to African or whatever. He said to one another that people will know that ye are my disciples. If we do not let the love of Christ bind us together, the death of Christ will be in vain. He, he, you know, the, the scripture is so, so clear on this that sometimes I wonder whether we read the Bible or we are just reading ourselves. Uh, you know, Minister Tenor said we should give examples. I, in, my, in my immediate family and community, let me start with myself. I happen to marry someone who I don't speak his language. I married him, number one, because he is a child of God. I married him, number two, because I love him. There won't be any marriage between us today if he has not declared for Christ. I knew, his, I knew where he belonged. What, who is your Lord? 
That is me. Is it because I understood this language and we are both Nigerians? No, but the love of Christ binds us together. In my extended family, I have brother who married somebody from another country, from another race, even though we are so close, but we don't still speak the same language. But I know that the love of Christ brought them together. They found themselves in the same garden that the Lord has planted them. Also, I have cousins that have married white and Hispanic. I have cousins that are married Korean. And I ask myself, if Christ is black, I do not know how they want to relate with a Korean or they want to relate to a white person. I'm not talking of people my age. I'm talking of people who are even younger, who I could call children of the Lord. So as children of God, we must see beyond this color called black or white or brown or blue or black or blue. This color is going to go down, but the soul that Christ came for, we go back to him. He did not come for the color of our skin. He distinguished us all by his blood. And the same blood of that is flowing in the white man is the same blood that flows in a black man. So when I look at all of this, I ask myself, where is this coming from? I can only come to a conclusion that it comes from the pit of hell. And as Children of God, we must rise above this and know that the enemy has not come only to steal. It has come to steal and destroy, kill and destroy all, that we may take our eyes away from the salvation of Christ. And this will take me to somewhere in Revelations, um, around chapter 7, we, we discussed it in my local church sometimes ago. It says that there is no tribe, there is no people, there is no language that will not stand before the throne of the Lamb. Because this is all about the multitude that Christ has come and he has redeemed. For everyone who says Jesus is Lord, for everyone who accepts him as Lord and Savior, would definitely receive salvation that belongs to his children. Therefore, there is no Jew. There is no Gentile. We shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. Salvation is for every single one of us that believe. Either you're a Jew or you're a Gentile. We have seen so many places in the scripture where God has used even Samaritans. He has used Moabites. He has used all forms of people to deliver his people. So as a church, let's rise up to this challenge and let us condemn racism in any shape, form, either in the church, outside the church, 
wherever we, we find it. And I will want to end like this. Please, don't preach race to me. Preach Christ to me. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, um, Pastor Catherine, for that, um, especially that ending, don't don't preach race to me, preach Christ to me. Um, is Sister Natalie on the phone? Okay, I'm not I'm not hearing from her. All right, so Hello? what I'm gonna do is oh you here? You there? All right, great. Can you hear All me right. clearly? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. We can hear. Okay. So for Sister Nal, I'm gonna go on to the next question because of time. And then if there's time at the end, then we can um answer any bonus questions or any thoughts that we may have. But the next question I want to go to Sister Nally is this. It says, Is there anything wrong with saying I don't see color? Because I've heard that before from a lot of people. I don't see color. I don't see color. And sometimes some people get offended by that. So my question is this. Is there anything wrong with saying, and quotation marks, I don't see color? How should we view people that are different from us? So, Sister Nali, this is uh, your question. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, everybody. Bless you. Um, so... Pastor Bridger and Pastor Catherine shared a lot of what I wanted to share, so I'm just going to keep it short. Um, so our view on someone shouldn't be predicated upon the color of our skin, but who we are in Christ, children of God, your brother or your sister. We are united not by the color of our skin, but by our Lord Jesus Christ who unifies us. As Pastor reiterated, Pastor Catherine, the love of Christ binds us together. We are covered by his love, by his blood, not in the color of our skin. And just to give a scripture, um, Galatians 3.26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And you could even include race and that racial background and that's just my contribution to that thank you very much for for that um i want to um um, reverend dr bridger was talking earlier before about tribalism and this is going to segue into the next question um for for those for those that may be listening that maybe come from that go to a church that has um a lot of people from different nations and different crowds countries you know sometimes let's say for example you're doing your praise and worship and maybe there's an african praise going on and maybe someone in the church is actually is is not from africa and that's getting some feeling some kind of way and you're the, you're their brother you're the sister so this question is for pastor during and it goes like this how do you fellowship this is talking about specifically within the church how do you fellowship with someone who has a different viewpoint from you in the church this viewpoint might be in terms of how do we do praise and worship? How do we do this? Because if from my culture, this is how I do it. And in my culture, this is how we do it. And to add on to that question is how can you practically commune with that, with that person? So I'm going to repeat this question again, and then I'm going to open the floor for Pastor Duren to give an answer. It says, how do you fellowship with someone who has a different viewpoint from you in the church and how can you practically commune with this person? So what are some practical ways you can commune or fellowship with this person? So Pastor, during the floor is yours. Okay. Um, I'm gonna start off by I'm gonna start off from the previous line um where you said people the 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 no the, the that statement I don't see color. I think we have to and maybe this is what I'm seeing. We have to I think we have to come out of the notion that's necessarily saying i don't see color why uh, there, there are two sides to it on the one hand you can look at it i don't see color the person trying to say that we should all love one as one another irrespective of on the other hand the other person is looking at i don't see color are you trying to say that my color doesn't matter so i think there are ways to that there are ways to approach that because i think we also have to look, see that color is not a bad thing we are the ones that have made it bad god made every different uh, race 
every 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 um, skin color. So there is nothing in itself that is wrong in that. It's how we choose to now elevate one above the other that's the problem. So there's nothing wrong in seeing the color of a person's skin and celebrating the beauty in that skin, in that skin color. It's when we make that color a basis to elevate one above the other that we started adding problems to it. Because if you look at Revelations um, 7, 9, it says, after this, I saw a large crowd with more people that could, that could be counted. They were from every race, every tribe, every nation, and every language. So if you're a child of God here on earth and you're having problem with the color of someone's skin, I don't know how you want to do, do, go to heaven because you're going to see all kinds of people. So if it's troubling you now, then you have a bigger, you have to go back to God and ask for mercy. Because it said I, with, more, with more people, they were from every race, every tribe, every nation, and every language, and they stood before the throne and before the Lamb. They wore white, white robes and held branches in their arms. That's in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. So I just wanted to touch on that. And now, as a child of God, when it comes of, of, of how do you fellowship with someone that has a different viewpoint from you in the church? And what I can add, say to this is that first and foremost, we have to understand that God made all of us as individuals with free will. So as such, we have, we come and, and our opinions and everything that we say sometimes framed by our background. It's framed sometimes by our family upbringing. It's framed sometimes by our culture. It plays a role to, as to how we see things. So sometimes the same issue, two people might see it differently. How do we now come together and agree? I think we have to now start learning how to look at things from people's perspective. And the only way we can look at it from people's perspective is if we're willing to even listen to them. We can't fellowship if there's no agreement. But agreement comes when both sides are listening to each other. So we, uh, we have to first accept and submit as, as a body. We have to accept that Jesus Christ is the standard. So whatever agreements or disagreements we have, the first thing is that the authority by which we discuss anything by which we come together to fellowship, by which we come together to show love, Christ is the ultimate standard. So regardless of my opinion, regardless of what my background and my race, Christ is the standard. Now, when that's the foundation by which we're talking, I now have to now respect the fact that God has called each and every one of us to serve in different parts of the body of Christ. So I, there is value and there is something important for, the, for that person that might not look like me, that might not be from the same language or culture. They, that person has something of value that Christ has seen because he died for each and every one of us. So there's something of value in that person. When we start seeing that God created this person, this person has value. This person has something to bring to the table. We will be open to listen to them and then we can fellowship together. And then we also have to be more patient and be able to give more grace and to listen to the views, views of others. And when we think of examples, when we start thinking that we are uh, outside of the building of the, the, the physical building, we are the church of Christ wherever we go. So how do I show love? I have to see how Christ showed love to people that were not, because Jesus Christ came from Jewish heritage. Look at how he approached the Samaritan woman. You have to always come from a place of what they can relate to. He started off because he saw her at the well. He started speaking on how he was thirsty. I have to start approaching things from that angle. I have to look at someone and see where we can connect. I have to, sometimes, sometimes the easiest way to connect sometimes is food. We can discuss about our love of food and we can go from there. So sometimes it's also checking on somebody and just saying, hey, how are you doing? How's, this, uh, how's your family? How can I help you? So how we offer each other assistance is one way of fellowship, is one way of showing love. How we, if the person is going through something, offering to pray with them. You don't always have to understand everything, but pray with them, how to show. So there's so many ways that we can, we can offer and show love. So by, by me praying with someone that, is, that has nothing to do with my culture, my background, that is one way I show love. By me calling in, now we're in quarantine now, calling people that are not necessarily just within your family, uh, your immediate family, calling them to see how they're doing calling to see how you can help them, calling to see if you can just pray with them, calling to just ask, hey, what is going on? Hey, this is what you can do. So just calling to find out how they're doing. 
is ways we can show fellowship. Calling to just pray with them is ways you can show fellowship. Calling to say, hey, hey, did you did you watch this or did you um um were you able to attend the service? Oh, it's online. Hey, do you do you want to know uh, um you want to pay your your tithe online? Hey, do you know how to use the online something? Let me assist you. That is how we show love. That's how we bring we come together. It is okay to disagree, but we have to understand that even when we're disagreeing, we're understanding that this person has a point of view, I have a point of view, and we all have something to bring to the table. And that's all I have to add. Thank you very much for that, um, Pastor Darian. Um, before I go on to the last question, I just want to um, say that um, if we will have... question um i know we answered it a little bit last week but i'm asking this question again for those that will be listening to this for the first time and i also want to hear maybe someone give a different perspective on this so the question is this how do you minister to someone who has been hurt who has dealt with racist racial racial issues before in the past how do you minister to them how do you speak to them how do you serve them so for dr Nifam, the question goes like this i'm going to um say the question and I'm going to open the floor. The question goes like this. It says, um, how do you minister to someone who has dealt with racial abuse, especially in the past? So how do you minister to someone who has dealt, who has dealt with racial abuse? Doctor, the floor is yours. Thank you so much for the question. So the question, I'm just repeating, um, how do you deal, how do you minister to someone who has dealt with racial abuse. I think, you know, just like when you're ministering to anybody, I think that it's very, very important to validate people's experiences. And especially when it comes to racial abuse, if someone um, if someone experienced racial abuse, um, for that person, that experience might be associated with a lot of trauma, and it might be associated with a lot of hurt. And sometimes, you know, when you're dealing with issues of abuse, you know, it takes it takes a lot of time to heal um, for a lot of people. So I think in ministering, when it comes to sharing the love of Christ with people, it's very important to be sensitive to people's experiences and to validate their experiences, even though you yourself might not have experienced that or know someone who has experienced that. If someone is sharing with you their experience, um, it's very, very important to validate that experience. It allows the person to know that, you know, that their experience, that that experience that they went through, that someone else shares in their pain and someone else shares in their suffering. So the first thing is validating that experience for that person. And that validation is also important in the healing process for that person. So um, outside of that, you know, the one thing you want to um, you want to leave that person with is that, you know, you don't want them to allow that experience. It might have been a single experience. It might have been multiple experiences. You don't want them to hold on to that experience to the point that it prevents them from experiencing joy and experiencing love or experiencing you know fellowship in church if that incident happened within a church you know you don't want that person to continue to hold on to that experience that robs them of the joy that can be found in christ so in ministering you know first you want to show people who god is and how do you show people God is by referring to his word. You know, we have a perfect God, but he came for an imperfect people. You know, people are not perfect. And, but, but that doesn't take away from the fact that we have a perfect God and he loves us endlessly and he's crazy about us. So first of all, show them who their God is, who their creator is through the word of God. And by and after you show them who God is and who their creator is, and tell them about how much God loves us. He came to die for us even when we were yet sinners. So when people come to an understanding of who they are in Christ and how much God loves them, that's half the battle because uh, the mind, the transformation that needs to take place in the mind is already would already start happening 
when they understand who they are, when they understand that they are not defined by the experiences, they're not defined by trauma or their past, but they're defined by this perfect God who has done the ultimate by laying his life for us. So that's very important. And that's important in you know, ministering to anybody. Um, it starts from Christ, this perfect God that came from an imperfect people like ourselves or like this person. So that's the key. Uh, and that's the most important step. And then after that, you know, um, encouraging people to read the word for themselves. I think that, you know, we live in a generation where people um, just listen to what other people say or just um, get, you know, what they can get on a Sunday morning sermon. And you know, in this generation, that's really not enough. You know, you have we have to encourage new believers or anyone you're ministering to give them a copy of the Bible. Like this is this is so so important that you begin to sit and read the Bible for yourself because you know nothing can replace the knowledge that you sit down and you actually hear God speak directly to you from His Word because His Word has life and it has power. So it's important that you encourage them when you're ministering to them that they have to also read this word for themselves because the Bible would teach them what true Christianity is and what how God wants us to live as people. So it's very that's very important. And also, you know, if 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 the experience of racial abuse happened within a church, you know, we have to remind, you know, new believers or anyone that we are ministering to that you know, just because we're in a church doesn't mean that everyone in the church is going to look like Christ because people are, people in, everyone in the church is on a different journey. And you might meet someone in church who's just beginning their walk in Christ, whose mind has not yet been transformed by the, the, the word. And they might say something to you or they might make a racial comment or they might treat you a certain way. That doesn't necessarily represent the belief of the leadership in the church or the belief of other people in the church. That's just that that's just that one person or that or two people who might still, you know, whose minds might still be like the minds of the people in the world. So you can't um you you shouldn't then you know, take that experience and sort of general, generalize that to that church or to Christians in general. So it's very important to remind, you know, people that, you know, this experience, wherever it happened, it doesn't necessarily mean that if you go into another church or if you stay in that church, that that's going to be your experience throughout. And then the, the, the third, the final thing I want to say is, you know, encourage people to forgive you know the the way that you free yourself from trauma and from bad experiences is to one remember that forgiveness is really for you it's not really for the other person and you can't really experience true healing from that you know from racial abuse without first uh, you know forgiving the abuser the bible encourages us you know multiple pages of the bible to forgive you know when we forgive other people that have sinned against us, then God can forgive us because that's what God wants. He forgives us of our sins. So no matter what, you know, has been done to you, for you to get to that point where you feel free and where you feel like you can worship again and commune with your brothers and sisters in Christ is to first, you know, you have to forgive. That's a requirement. Um, so just encourage them. You're ministering to someone who has gone through abuse racial abuse or any kind of abuse you have to encourage them to forgive and that forgive that that process might be you know very difficult it might not happen the day that you're ministering to them it might take days it might take months and sometimes years um and we still have to you know we have to hold them up in prayer and encourage keep encouraging and not give up amen amen Thank you very much for that um, for that answer, especially on forgiving, because um, the Bible does say that we should forgive even as we should forgive just as Christ forgave us. So it's important, especially for those who be, who are listening to this now and those who will be listening uh, on the podcast, that if you're holding on forgiveness in your heart, please, I beg you with Christ, forgive that person that you're holding on forgiveness in your heart with, because 
it's like you're drinking poison and you're expecting the other person to die. It's, it's not it's not it's not good for you. It affects your relationship with God, with Christ. It affects your relationship with other people. So please, with the grace of God, forgive whoever has hurt you. Um, we have about um, 14 minutes left. So I know um, Reverend Dr. Bridget Agbele said that she had some other things she wanted to say. So during this time, about 14, 13 minutes left, if anyone has any um, extra contributions that they want to speak on, any questions that they want to ask, this is the time that it's open for. So if you feel anything that God has laid in your heart to, to speak on, um, you have this time to speak. So I open the floor to anyone who wants to contribute. God bless. Praise the Lord. I actually um, want to bring to um, the limelight our individuality, our uniqueness, and we have to understand that excuse me, that that is a very, very important factor as far as relating to one another is concerned. There are people that are very outgoing. It does not matter their color. It doesn't matter their background. They're just outgoing. They they relate to people very easily. And then there are other people that are very reserved. It's not like they are bad people. It doesn't matter whether they are black or they are white or they are high or they are low or they are educated or they are illiterate. They are just reserved. They don't talk much. They are introverts. So sometimes we may misunderstand people's makeup for a particular behavior that we interpret in the light of our previous experience, which may not be true. For example, somebody may be snobbing another person on purpose because he doesn't want to pay that person any mind. He doesn't want to respect that person. He doesn't want the person to feel important. You want the person to feel like, you know what, you're beneath me, and that's where you remain, which is very wrong. Now, if that person now deal with everyone that is not outgoing, and is not very expressive or is not very um, lively towards them as being snobbish, they may actually be um, misjudging the situation and the person. So we have to be very careful and we want to balance, we want to respect individual differences and we want to balance all of these things so that if we deal with one another from a very clear logical mind that we are all different how we see things are different there are things that we do not because we want to hurt someone else but maybe because we are going through something is is going to help more in our relationship. Because I think that the issue of race has been overused. It's lost its meaning. It's lost its value. Because I've done so much research to really um, find out more about the issue of racism, tribalism, and everything from everything is pointing to the fact that it is a belief system. It is a psychological position. It is an ideology. And that is what guides that person's life in how he deals with different, you know, with people. So 
I don't want us to overflow this issue, over overuse the word racism, tribalism, discrimination, because sometimes it, it, it gives us a very biased way of dealing with life and makes us to be extremely oversensitive that does not allow us to even to, to grow and be logical or be, be willing to learn from other people because everything is criticism. Everything is because I'm not of the same race. Everything is because I don't look the same. I don't talk the same. I don't do the same. Even when there are reasons for us to learn from another, we use the race card to blind our eyes. So we have to be very, very careful. And also the people we associate with also is very important. We must not excuse anyone, no matter how close that person is. Call it out, condemn it, because it seeps into our mind. And whatever we keep hearing begins to define our reasoning our logic. I remember when, you know, um, somebody was, was sharing with me uh, 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 about something that happened uh, and the, the, the grandson was saying to the, to, the, to the grandmother, when the grandmother chastised them for doing something wrong, she said to the grandmother, you're racist, and I know you hate me, and I know the reason you hate me is because I am black. And the mother said to the son, did you hear yourself? You just brought that from school, right? You thought you were talking to your teacher. Your grandma is black, you're black, and I am black. How is she racist? How does she hate you because you're black? Never ever bring that kind of reasoning to this house. And this boy was caught in his in his brainwash. He was caught in that. Apparently, he's been using that in the school. He's been using that to his teacher. He's been using that to pull the Wherever the race card all the time, even when the grandma who is the same race, the same everything, the same color, everything was correcting him, so his life will be better. He pulled the race card and threw it on his grandmother. You hated me because I am black, and thank God the mother was there to say, "Did you hear yourself?" So please. I just want us to understand that it's not everything that is racism. However, there are people that are racist. I'm not trying to undermine the issue of racism. I'm only throwing caution so that we don't allow it to define us. And if there is anybody that is trying to pull the race card around us, Please let us try not to be a part of it so that we can be healed, so that we can truly, sincerely love one another and genuinely appreciate one another. I mean, you greet somebody who maybe is not in the mood to say hi today, they'll be happy tomorrow. You don't know what the person has gone through before he even came to church. And then all of a sudden you ask, oh, the reason they didn't say that to me is because I'm not from this. No. Presumption and assumption is the same. So let us understand that we're different. And we should respect our temperament, how we do things, and don't overflow the issue of race. And don't be too sensitive because it can be very dangerous. Thank you and God bless. Thank you very much, Pastor. Um, it's 9.56. Um, does anyone have anything else to say before we 
Tori Roundup, and we, we, and we pray. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, go ahead. So um, I'm responding to Pastor Deering, and I just want to say that the question was, is it wrong to say that I don't see color? So my answer was for that question in particular. I wasn't saying that we should be colorblind. I'm not saying that the experience of racism doesn't happen or that your experience isn't valid. I've experienced that myself. So neither am I saying we shouldn't celebrate where we come from. But we shouldn't put it before, we shouldn't put it above God. And that's what I want to say to that. Amen. Thank you for that. Um, I'm going to, I don't know if anybody has any response or anything to say, but I'm going to, um, Pastor was talking about not excusing um, it or because racism is sin at the end of the day, and it's not excusing it. And the scripture came to me, and it refers to in Judges or so, the beginning of Judges, when the children of Israel had gone into the gone into the promised land, and God had told them to get rid of all the gods and the idols that were there. But they didn't get rid of them. They actually stayed with them and they I guess you could say they, they excused the the sin that was there in that in that in that in the land. And then what happened was that their children, because they compromised on one on one generation, their children, the compromise that they did, the idols that they that they compromised now became the gods of the children of the next generation. So my point I'm making is this if there is don't excuse racism in your in your own house, within your own family members, if someone is making a jest or joke about this or saying this, and you know it's putting down someone because what you excuse today now becomes the standard for your next generation. So I think with this peculiar Youth Connect is it's focused on really the next generation coming up. So I want to I want to implore you that don't excuse something today because what you excuse today will not become the standard for the next generation. So if you're excusing sin or if you're excusing certain kind of bad behavior, excusing racism now, your children that are watching will see that and now take that as their own standard for themselves when they grow up. So I want to just encourage us today that if we've been living in a certain world, we're doing a certain thing that we've been excusing, that I want us to ask God to reveal our, reveal our own hearts and that we may be able to live in a way that is pleasing unto him. So again, um, I know this topic of racism is, is, um, is a topic that can go on for a long time. It is definitely worth more than three episodes that we can do, but this is going to be the conclusion of it. And I, my prayer is that for anyone that will listen to this, either that listen to this now or listen to this later, that they will be touched and they will be healed. And to know that our identity is in Christ and Christ alone. That is our primary identity. So um, it is 9.59. Without any further ado, um, I'm going to bring this to a close. And um, I'd like to ask... Um, Reverend Dr. Bridget Gray to close us off in prayer, and that will be that. Thank you very much. Pastor, you can pray for us, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for the words that we have all shared together. The Bible says that they that fear the Lord spoke one to another, and the book of remembrance was opened, and they shall be mine, says the Lord, in the day that I made my jewel. Lord God Almighty, we have concluded on the issue of racism in the church today. But we know that we are going to still deal with it wherever we go, wherever we find ourselves, among our friends, in our job place, in the community, the society. Father Lord, let us be true light wherever we go, oh God. Let us be true soul that brings flavor, God, that silence, oh God, even the evil voice of racism. Lord, give us the boldness to confront it and to bring it down. Father, Lord, let us be, oh God, the instrument of love and unity in our families, in our churches, in our job place, wherever we find ourselves. Let us be the light that lighten that place, oh God, that we make Christ, Lord Jehovah, to be above our looks, to be above where we come from, to be above our language to be above our skin color. Father, bind us together 
in your love as one people under God. Father, we cover each and every one of us in the blood of Jesus, even as we go to bed tonight, Lord, I ask, oh Lord, that you will give us sweet sleep, that we shall sleep in peace and wake up in peace to the glory and honor of your name. Is there anyone that have been hurt through the issue of racism or is overly sensitive? Lord, I ask for healing. I ask for help. I ask for restoration. I ask for comfort in the name of Jesus. I bless you, Lord. I praise and I worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, and God bless you again. Thank you again for listening um, to this very important topic on racism in the church. I know this episode is particularly longer than the ones that have been before, but I felt like this needed to be fully fleshed out, and I didn't want, like, uh, breaks or 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 short or short episodes in between i don't know if that makes sense so that's why this is a little bit longer than than usual but anyway i pray that this blesses you and i pray that this allows you to be honest before god and let god lead you in what to do next concerning this very important issue and also know that your fight is not against flesh and blood but against the devil and may god strengthen you I may you overcome in the name of Jesus. Again, you can join us every Tuesday at 866-313-5666. Again, thank you and God bless you for listening. Goodbye.